All right, welcome back to the big program. Just before we bring in Mark Spector, let's welcome in Lorianne Munzer. Good morning. Holy smokes, it's been a while with all the holidays and the Christmas break. Totally, it feels like forever. Yeah. Happy New Year. Uh, yeah, Happy New Year. Yeah, we can get away with that, I think, one more, just one more. Well, it's my first Monday back, oh, so okay, yeah. yeah, Happy we New Year. We don't want to get into trouble. I know there's a there's a, like a certain uh, group of people that think it's one or two days and that's it. Maybe some people think a week, so we're past the week mark, but... Okay. We'll let her slide. Okay, just one more day. Yes. Just for today. Yes, we'll let her slide. Uh, All right, uh, time now for On the Mark, uh, powered by Booster Juice. Visit a location today to refuel, refresh, and re-energize or download the new Booster Juice Rewards app to earn, order, and enjoy as we welcome in Mark Spector to the big program. Morning, Spec. On your way to the Windy City? Yeah, just sitting in the back of an Uber here on the way to Chicago. and uh, You're driving to Chicago. (laughs) Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> that would be a pricey Uber. It would be a pricey Uber. Yeah, well, I, I got to get a hold of one of those Rogers credit cards before I take that Uber. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, I, I've seen your expense accounts, Beck. You spare no expense. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's that's it's right. You remember yeah, back in the day, Spec guys would fight over the bills because they could write. You know, they would just hand them in. Oh boy, those days are gone. Or yeah. are they ever? Those days are gone. No, no, it's, uh, anyway, it's, it's uh, always fun to go to Chicago. I'm a little disappointed not to get to see Bedard yeah. play. You know, you see them live or whatever they play three times a year. Uh, so that's a bit of a drag. But uh, you know what? Watching the orders play isn't so bad these days either. So that part's not bad. Geez, remember the goal he scored, Bedard, here, that the first goal of the game? Wow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. You know what? Yeah, it's it's unbelievable the string of bad luck. I mean, they they got a million injuries. How does Calgary lose to that team yesterday? I don't know. Yeah. No, I no idea. I mean, that's you can't you can't afford to lose games like that and expect to make the playoffs. You just can't. Well, you know what? Michael Backlund kind of said that. If you want to be a playoff team, you got to yeah. win this game, and and it's true. Like you can't. They lost. Calgary lost three times to Chicago last season, and just missed the playoffs. And now they've lost to them this year. Uh, in this situation, so you know what? Whatever. I think the orders are the orders have been running up a pretty what I call it, like a pretty professional game here. You know, the other night they found themselves like everybody thought Edmonton Ottawa was going to be a six fiver. Yeah, you know, some version of a shootout. And halfway through the game, they found themselves in a zero zero game. And you know, I can we can all recall the not so long ago days when Edmonton felt like. They just had to break that game open, and they had to go get that first three goals, and maybe on the same shift. And you know what? We watched the team the other day. They just kept playing and kept playing. They got one, you know. Then they got another, and they wore Ottawa down. They didn't open the door for Skinner. Was good. Mm-hmm. They didn't open the door for Ottawa because they were trying so hard to score. Let's uh, let's ask Laurie on that question, Spec. You and I, in the sense of how does a team like Calgary, you know, you, you underestimate an injury depleted Chicago team without a Bedard, the best player, mm-hmm. and you don't come up with a, a, a performance anywhere near what you need to, and that's how the what the Oilers can't afford to get uh, trapped into t- uh, tomorrow. Absolutely, you can't take your foot off the gas, is what I always tell my athletes. And it's just, you have to go in, and I know we've talked about this before and and you don't always agree, but you have to go in like it's a championship game. You can't underestimate the opponent. You can't underestimate all the players. And it's just one play at a time, one shift at a time, and you have to bring your A game all the time. And as soon as you just 
say, oh, it, it, it's easy or it's just like, yeah, this is a no-brainer. That's when you run into problems. However, this could also be a really great learning experience for them not to do it again. Kevin Carey, Florian Munzer in studio. Mark Spector in an Uber on the way to the airport. Uh, hey, Speck, have you ever covered a team that is kind of this streaky, I guess, if you want to call it? I mean, seven <laughs> wins in a row. They lost three before that, one eight in a row. And, it, it, you know, there's never, it's never been win one, lose one, or win two, lose one here. It's just been wins and losses. Yeah, it has been. I mean, I think it's, you know, you want to divide it into all these streaks, but I think you can probably draw a line down the middle of this season so far from basically when they made the move on Jay Woodcroft to make the and this is I'm not saying it's Woodcroft's fault they were so bad in their first 12 games but that's where it changed and yeah they lost three in a row but they've won 15 of their last 18 so I guess I'd say to you that what were they when they let Woodcroft go they were 3-9-1 I believe Mm -hmm. Um, 2-9-1 when they lost to San Jose and fell into a tie for third you know, 32nd place. And since that move, you know, what are they doing? They've gone, whatever they've gone, they won 15 out of 18. So streaky. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Streaky, but I, I kind of always try to look down from 30,000 feet on these things. And to me, there's been two streaks. There's been the bad orders and then the pretty good orders ever since. And the longer they go here, Kev, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure we would all agree. The real team is the good team. The real team wasn't the first 13 games. The real team's the last, you know, 18 games. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to go on this clip forever, but they're pretty good, and they're playing they're, like they're pretty good. And like Lorianne said, they're not letting their foot off the gas. They're not winning the same way every night, but they are winning almost every night. Mm-hmm. Do you think, Spec, that, you know, the first set of games where they weren't doing so well – is that just them really getting used to each other, or is it just part of the coaching and then the change coming in? What do you what do you see that as being? Ah, there was Lori. There was so, a, a bunch of factors. Uh, you know, the coach puts in a new defensive system. It wasn't going very well. There's lots of guys that weren't figuring it out or whatever. That was a small part of it. Ekholm misses camp because he's hurt. As we watch the team play now, we realize what a big piece of that defense he is. He wasn't very good. Their best two players, McDavid and Drysaddle. Drysaddle, uh, McDavid was hurt, but he wasn't very good. Drysaddle wasn't hurt, and he wasn't very good. Uh, and that's just the start of it. You know, there was a McLeod, right? He yeah. missed most of camp. He wasn't any good. Listen, these guys all know it's not getting used to each other. They all know each other. This is a veteran team with lots of guys that have played together. So. It was. It just was a ball that started rolling downhill. They couldn't stop it, and and it took a coaching change to, to really turn this thing around. And I don't have all the answers. I just know all the little components that weren't working, and there was enough of them to take a good team and make it look pretty bad for those first thirteen games. Well, they also say too, it's the little things that make the difference, and it can either put it in your favor for it working really well, or going the opposite and just tank and everything and, and coming up short all the time. So I think you, you've touched on that right there. Yeah. Zach Hyman, Spec, 25 goals, had three the other night. 
should ho- hopefully he can get to the all-star game somehow we were touching on it off the top of the show in his hometown of toronto but man he's just such a heart and soul guy just a glue guy everyone is on you know everyone pulls for this guy there isn't anyone that doesn't say i'm not a zach hyman fan they they love watching this guy play because he's that he's that kind of player you want on your team so you, you must just love watching this guy and covering this guy since he came here everyone was talking about how bad of a signing he was but man it's turned out to be one heck of a signing for Kenny Holland. Yeah, one of the best free agent signings in recent history. Let's face it, he's making five and a half. You know, we're in the third year of a seven-year deal. This deal was supposed to be, he's, it's going to be a good contract at the start, then it's going to go bad. Well, he's, he set new career records and goals each year he's been in Edmonton, so it's, there's no signs of it going bad yet in year three. Uh, you know, the thing I always think back of on, on Hyman is, Mike Smith said, when he was playing goal here, he said, when my boys come to the game, he says, I tell them to watch Zach Hyman. Because if you're going to, you know, you want to learn how to play hockey, you want to you want to exhibit the right qualities of a hockey player, you know, yeah, you can watch 97, but you can't be 97, right? But if you watch 18, you know, and you work hard and you have some skill and you, you put in the effort, you, we could, not we, me, but yeah. everyone could be Zach Hyman. Because the things he does... He's, he's very smart and he's courageous. He stands next. He seals that post off while Bouchard shoots. That's that's more courage than mm-hmm. skill. <laughs> uh, he's just a, he's become you know the two, 2024 net front guy that I wrote a piece the other day. There's been a lot of great net front guys in our game over the years with Cicerelli and Kerr and Ryan Smith and you know Thomas Holmstrom. They all did it a different way. And Zach Hyman is that guy now. There's not, I'm not sure there's a better close-in net front guy than Zach Hyman in the league right now. Do you think, Spectre, that because of his age, he's 31 now, he had a late start yep. with the Leafs at 24, so he's seven years in. Do you think he's just really starting to get into yep. the groove of his game? Yep, he's just figuring it out, right? He's a seven-year guy. This is the, the beginning of the real peak of your career, certainly mentally. He got a late start. Uh, he's not good. He's been a healthy player, so physically he's good. He obviously keeps himself in great shape. They all do. So, yeah, today's, you know, what's he, 30? 31. 31. Today's 31-year-old is yesterday's 27-year-old in a lot of degrees because it's fitness and, and things like that. So, yes. But the other thing would be, you know, we've watched superstars over the years, you guys, like, I take Crosby. How many line mates did it take before they found the guys that could play with Crosby? Like, finally, Chris Kunitz was one of the best guys. And Brian Rust, and now it's Gensel. Uh, it's hard to play with McDavid. It's hard. you gotta have a. You got to be smart, and you got to figure out how to make your game complement his because it ain't going the other direction. And that's exactly what Hyman has done. He's, he spent a lot of time talking to McDavid and figuring out how, how to complement his game. And now we're watching it work. You know, he played at University of Michigan, Speck. He will be cheering hard for Blue tonight in yeah. uh, the national championship. That The last year when he was at Michigan, they had an unbelievable team. Uh, the coach was Red Berenson. Everyone knows who that is. Yeah. But, I mean, Dylan Larkin was on that team. Andrew Kopp was on that team. Zach Wierenski great young defenseman was only 17 his first year at Michigan had a phenomenal uh, freshman season so uh, he he's been on teams where you know they know how to win he's yep. he's you know he did that in Toronto he's doing it here so uh, it'll well, be 
Sorry, Wait go ahead. Did you say did you say they know how to win in Toronto? Is that what well, you're saying? Well, you know what I'm saying. They they had some winning <laughs> seasons. Sorry, buddy. Hey, speaking of that, William Nylander looks like he's going to be closing in. We've been talking about this for a while, but that's a lot. Eight years, eleven and a quarter a year for Willie Nylander well, in Toronto. He's a really good player, and yeah. there's a lot of teams that would sign him for that. Like I don't I don't dispute his his value. They didn't. You know, they're not just overpaying him because he's got nice hair. But <laughs> the question becomes, how can you have, you know, I believe, I believe that they've got four guys that under yeah. today's salary cap make about 52% of their payroll uh, and four forwards. And that goes through next year. Like Tavares got another year left, right, next year mm-hmm. before they shed that deal. So, you know, I don't know. Like here in Edmonton, we're about to start having the discussion about how much you could spend on two players. Yeah. You know, two forwards. And out in Toronto, they got four guys. They're not the same player, but they all have similar tendencies. They're all point-producing forwards. None of those guys are. You know, it's not a third-line center like Phil Deneau that gives you a whole new element. So I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you have a team. You're going to have a light and defense, and you can't spend money on goaltending. And you know what you need when you get to the playoffs, you guys. You need defense and goaltending. I don't see how this stacks up to the least winning a cup. It stacks up to them having an excellent regular season team, which they've had for years. I don't see how this helps them get better in the springtime. Next year, Austin Matthews will be $13,250,000. John Tavares will be $11 million. That's his last year. Mitch Marner. Ten million nine hundred three thousand, and then eleven and a half million yeah. for Willie Nylander. So each eleven million dollar contract, give or take, is about thirteen percent of the cap today. Yeah. Now I know the cap goes up next year, but it only goes up about four million bucks, and there's a lot of other, you know, Nylander's using that up himself. I think. Mm-hmm. So take that. If they figure that out, what's four times thirteen? It's fifty-two. Right, it's fifty-two percent of your cap on four. Goal, you know, point producing forwards. Where's everyone else coming from? I have no clue. I mean, TJ Brody is a UFA next year, so he comes off the books. That's five right. million there, but, but he's a good player. Yeah, they right. need. I mean, they need guys like that. I mean, their defensive <laughs> core is just. I mean, it's not, not good, good enough. enough. It's not good enough. Nor is their goaltending good enough. No. So, like, Toronto needs. To, I don't know. Listen, I've been saying this for years. Those guys, Dubas and Shanahan, and and they're all smart guys. And they've built one of the best regular season teams in the, you know, in, in our time here. That's mm-hmm. a good regular season team. But who cares, right? That's, yeah. They've won one playoff series if they're in, what is it? Is it 15 years or something? That's not very no. good. Yeah, I don't know how long it is. But, again, I didn't, I didn't mean they were winning cups, but they had a, you know, a winning, winning, <laughs> I know. I winning team. So. Giving you a shot I here, know. pal. Hey, no problem, Spec. <laughs> I can handle it. Hey, uh, have a safe trip. How do you pack for a trip like this? Are you a, like a heavy packer, light packer? What no. do you? Nah, you can't be a heavy packer anymore. Like, <laughs> you know, it's it's travel. Uh, this isn't me complaining. I'm just you asked me the question. Yeah. I love going to the cities, and I love covering the team, and I love my job. It's all. Who doesn't want to go and roll with the orders? Mm-hmm. The the airport part uh, has changed everything. You know, you, if, if you bring, I'm going to, what am I going to, three cities, so I got like five or six flights or whatever it is. If I think I'm going to check a bag through this whole trip and it's going to be at my side <laughs> when I get to the end of this trip, like I'm kidding myself, right? Do, do you no chance. You have probably one of those like uh, pink polka dot suitcases that you can see easily. Yeah, no, no, no. 
<laughs> so you pack as much as you can into the small bag and you hope it's not too cold when you get to Detroit. That's yes, what you do. <laughs> exactly. Hey, Spec, thanks for this safe travels. Are, what, are you okay for tomorrow? What? what uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll be waking up in Chicago tomorrow. What time is it? It's 8 here, so it's 9 in Chicago. Yep, call me Something down. Something like that, yeah. We will talk to you tomorrow morning. Thanks, big guy. See you later. That's uh, On The Mark, energized by Booster Juice. Get the boost you need at Booster Juice. When we come back, uh, we will check in with Sean Mullen and a little WHL. I mean, the trade deadline. I mean, there's probably only about 8,000 moves in the WHL like usual at this time of the year. Sean Mullen will guest with us on uh, Sports 1440. It's Carius. It's Munzer. It's a Monday morning. Stay with us. More to come. All right, welcome back to the big program. Kevin Carius, Lorianne Munzer, and the song comes on, and Lorianne looks over and goes, hey, hey. Grey Cup. Grey Cup. Grey Cup. <laughs> Green Day. So you remember the uh, set that they played? I think it was four songs, right? Yes. And I think everyone really enjoyed I think so. Green Day at the Grey Cup. Yeah. They, I mean, they they have so many great songs, but the, the four songs I, that they played, probably their best, I think. I would say so. You know, they have some other ones. That, I mean, some people don't like these ones as much as some other ones, but mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty good. So I think it's really interesting, yeah. too, because songs will also take us back to different events, sporting events. Grey Cup was the mm-hmm. first thing I thought of when yes. I heard them this morning. I'm just like, oh, football. And it's just the memories are so good. It's just <laughs> that was such a great Grey Cup. It was a great game. Uh, just waiting to hook up with Sean Mullen from WHL Unfiltered. So a couple weeks off, and then we were the Mondays were holidays, so you had a little bit of a break from me, which you probably enjoyed. Oh, I missed you, Kevin. Oh, no, you, you maybe missed uh, <laughs> like uh, interacting with our listeners and things, but probably not me. So how, how did you enjoy your, your little break here? You know what? It was great. It's always a great time to, you know, just recap, reset, relax. And I think something that we need to all do. Yeah. And it's just, it gives us a time to connect with family, with friends, and sometimes just do nothing. You got to reset. Everyone needs a little break to get away from the day-to-day rigors of whatever you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a, a, an opportunity for, as you said, to spend time with friends, family, and, and uh, have some Christmas cheer and New Year's cheer. Uh, all right, time now for the headliner of the day, brought to you by Mr. Reuter. They are sports fans like all of our listeners and are pumped that Sports Talk Radio is back. For all your plumbing needs, you can go to mrreuter.ca as we welcome in Sean Mullen, WHL Unfiltered, back to Sports 1440. Morning, Sean. You're with Kevin Carries and Lori Ann Munzer. Happy New Year. Uh, we're, we're still going another, another day or so. We're going. You, you okay with that? Let's carry it on. Yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? So already, I mean, trade deadline is a couple days away in the WHL, but a couple of teams in Saskatchewan very busy with some big players uh, moving last week. They sure were. And, you know, I think it's funny, having formerly been the play-by-play broadcaster for the Swift Current Broncos, I'm particularly tied to the mm-hmm. that team, and I still live in Swift Current. Uh, and the last time the Swift Current Broncos you know, push their chips to the middle, so to speak. The Moose Jaw Warriors did at the same time. And not only did they both do it again here six years later, because that was 2018 when the two teams finished 1-2 in the league standings and then faced each other in a seven-game war in the second round. Now here, six years later, they do it again, not only at the same time, but with the same team. As Connor <laughs> Geeky goes to Swift Current and Matthew Savoy goes to Moose Jaw. So they each kind of picked their guy from uh, the Wenatchee Wild this year and paid a stiff price to do it. 
Uh, a lot of picks going the other way and things like that. Hey, can you remember what the picks were, or what the trade was six years ago? Oh boy! Um, Sorry to put you on the spot, but yeah, well, six years ago it wasn't one trade for, for yeah. one. Swift Current added Giorgio Estefan, Stuart Skinner, and yeah. uh, a number of other pieces: Tanner Nagel uh, from the Lethbridge Hurricanes, uh, Matteo Gennaro, and Beck Malenstein is now with Washington in the NHL from Calgary. Um, they added uh, Josh Alexander from Prince George, uh, so <laughs> they they did a lot of adding that year. Skinner ended up being maybe the biggest piece as he shut out Moose Jaw in that series. They played against each other three times in a row in their own building. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Um, and then Moose Jaw added. Oh, now what's going through? They um, added Kale Clegg uh, was their big addition from Brandon. Um, so that was, you know, a couple of firsts and a bunch of prospects. And and then they added Schulhaus from, yeah. So Sorry I, to put you on the spot they, like that, they Sean. Didn't, they didn't do as much adding. But, yeah, it, it's hard for me to, to, to say what's the one player get in that case because Swift Current added about six or seven. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, again, so the trades last week, so many draft picks moving, but these two guys are two of the top players going, world juniors. And uh, what do you think, what did you see from Matt Savoy, first of all, because he's a local guy, and what will he offer for Moose Joe, you think? Yeah, I mean, this is the trend these days, right? That, that you trade all these picks and prospects, and you hope we can you can recoup them. And Wenatchee who wasn't in the league final last year themselves, but was as the Winnipeg Ice, you know, made all sorts of trades and all sorts of future trades. So now they're trying to recoup the assets that they uh, traded away to get the uh, the players they had before. Um, as for Savoy, what does he bring? I mean, he's one of the most dynamic offensive players in the entire Canadian Hockey League. And he started the year in the, uh, the pro ranks. So, you know, he's only been back in the junior for a few weeks, that kind of thing, before he went off to World Juniors. But Musha, a team that's already got a very dangerous forward group, and, you know, Jagger and Fergus and those types of players, you add maybe as dynamic players there is in the entire country to that mix. So if you're a Musha Warrior fan or if you're going to see the Musha Warriors coming into town uh, in one of the, the buildings around the Western Hockey League, you're going to see a team that's bringing a ton uh, of skill. And Savoy, you know, he can play a two-way game, too. He's a very intelligent hockey player. But what, what he brings more than anything else, his unique skill, his unique talent would be, you know, he's as raw an offensive talent as anybody there is going in this league right now. Hmm. That's fantastic. Sean, um, you know, talk about how cyclical this is. Like, you know, we've got the trade deadline coming up. And just how does that really go for, for the athletes? Oh, I, I mean, think about it from Savoy and Geeky's standpoint. These are two young men that just helped Team Canada play at the World Juniors, and you have to go through the ups and downs of that. I mean, to lose in the quarterfinal, no one expected that. They're going to be dealing with, you know, some heartbreak and disappointment from that experience. You miss Christmas with your family, and the the next day, <laughs> and they, they, the rumors were already out there. They probably already knew this was happening. But the next day, they're traded from their current destination in junior to their new location. So they get to rush back home from Sweden, spend a little bit of time with their families, and then hop back over 
uh, not to their previous home, but to a new home. And for both of those guys, they'd moved teams anyway because Winnipeg moved to Wenatchee in the summer. So that's enough upheaval. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they're you know they're ready for a little bit of stability in the pro ranks and next year. But yeah, it's it's been a wild time. And you know for Savoy in particular, spending the first couple of months of the season in the pro ranks too. Uh, he's probably looking to you know, get some kind of stability at home. But for everybody involved, you know, in these trades, uh, Moose Jaw was all draft picks. Swift Current sent three players to Wenatchee as a part of it. And I know one of the families that um, keeps the, the, you know, kept one of the players that was involved. And I just think, knowing them, I just thought about, you know, all the billets and all the players that have to deal with that in the middle of the year as the trade deadline comes to pass. You know, you have players that have, uh, you know, that are between 16 and 21 that have lived in these houses for any number of years, got to know the families, got to know the kids, and all of a sudden, just in the middle of the year, they have to say goodbye, and, you know, not forever necessarily, but certainly won't see each other in that context ever again, so, you know, there's a lot of emotions on the line in in that situation, and that's kind of one of the, you know, the underthought-about aspects of deadline time in this league. Sean Wallen with us on Sports 1440, and that is uh, definitely the case. We forget these kids are just so young, and they're being uprooted and moving, you know, across uh, the country in some cases. Uh, you know, not across the country, but across Western Canada in some cases. So, um, do you think that there will be more or less movement here in the next few days? Because it, there isn't a team like, you know, in years past, you could see maybe one or two teams already pulling away from the pack. There's a lot of parity in this league right now in the sense when you look at the standings, so many teams are still in it. Yeah, I think when the league hosts the Memorial Cup, you're guaranteed a certain amount of movement. And and so when Kamloops hosted last year, uh, that meant they had to add enough in order to be an appropriate host. So that adds a certain level of activity to, you know, an automatic amount. It usually increases the prices a little bit. Um, But we're off to quite a start already. You know, Edmonton made the move that they made uh, about a week, you know, before that, and and the two big moves with Wenatchee. So we've seen some big, big players move. Uh, The Saskatoon made a couple of major additions uh, before that. So, you know, for a you know a deadline in in particular, you know a lot of these moves have been made in advance. So, uh, what do I expect as we mm-hmm. get closer? I mean, I think if your team, for example, like the Brandon Weekings, who have Danielson on their roster and who are in the top four of the uh, Eastern Conference, what's already happened could sway you in one direction or another. You could go oh boy, I'm going to have to load up myself if I'm going to stay in the mix here in this Eastern Conference. Or you're going to go Swift Current and Moose Jaw and Saskatoon have already spent so many assets buying. Am I going to be able to catch up? Maybe I'm better off sending away my elite 19-year-old and you know just kind of building up to another season and having a little run at it this year to get some playoff success, but not going all the way after it. Uh, Willie Desjardins and, and Medicine Hat, right? I mean, there's a, you know, as experienced a hand as there is in the major junior game. You may look at it the same because they're a little bit ahead of schedule with their cycle and all the young players that they've developed. 
he may look at things again and say, boy, the price is paid already to add at the level these other teams have added will make me kind of wonder whether it's worth me trying to do that this year. Just exist with what we have and go, you know, go forward and see if we can get some good experience and still win some rounds. Hmm. I'm very curious to see what happens in the Western Conference with uh, former Edmonton Oiler Mark Lamb and his Prince George Cougars. As Mark Lamb, the guy I know pretty well from his seven years as the coach and general manager in Swift Current, yeah. the guy is a very uh, patient and I don't want to say conservative necessarily in context of what we see these days, but a very patient guy who builds his team and doesn't like to, you know, make the kind of move that we see in junior hockey these days where going for a veteran player means that you're play, you know, trading two and three first-round draft picks and players and other assets. Um, but Prince George has taken a long time to get to the place they are right now at the top of the standings in the Western Conference, and they've never won a league championship before. So seeing the other teams add the way they have, uh, will Mark Lamb, who's made a couple of nice, shrewd, smaller moves, will he be somebody who's tempted to wade into uh, the madness we've seen so far? So I, I think there's still a lot of questions to be answered before January 10th, but I think we've seen, you know, most of the biggest names move. Mm-hmm. Now we'll see potentially a couple of more, like uh, from Brandon, but uh, I think we'll see a lot of tinkering for sure. Uh, there's a lot of phone calls happening. You know, those teams that are kind of more in the middle that have specific needs could make some moves. But I'm really curious what, you know, your Prince George, your Portland's, your Medicine Hats, uh, those teams that are you know, yet to make moves, but are in the mix, will they wade in? Hmm. What do you think about uh, the Oil Kings? What are what are they going to do? Well, it was fascinating to see the Oil Kings actually make an ad and trade assets for a player yeah. uh, the way that they did. Now, that's an 18-year-old player who they're, I'm sure, hoping will be someone they build around for next season as well. But... You don't often see a team that's sitting in last place go and make an ad the way that they did. And um, I'm curious to see how that plays out. I don't imagine they're going to do too much more of that because, you know, the the move they made had to be one with more of a long-term thought process behind it. Um, But I'm curious to see, you know, again, as a team in the position they are in the standings, if they have a couple of veterans that – are still that are players that have some value in the market. Does what they did already mean that they're, you know, hoping to keep um, most of what they have left together to, you know, uh, take a little run at things in the second half? Or are they still looking to sell some of those non-returning assets as they build up to what now looks like they're trying to take a bit of run at things next year? So, I think that could go in a couple of ways with Edmonton. Yeah, they had a decent road trip uh, out west and kind of... Uh, I, I don't recall a team here that have had so many injuries. I mean, the Oil Kings have just just got savaged and ravaged by injuries this year. So, hey, uh, Sean, really appreciate your time. Thanks for hopping on this morning, and I know it's going to be a busy couple of days for you, keeping tabs on everything. Do such a great job with the WHL Unfiltered. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, take care. Talk soon. 
Hey, thanks for having me. And yeah, I hope anyone can uh, to listen into what we had to say. But you know, it's going to be uh, so many places uh, uh, that will be having conversations. Uh, it's not me who's going to be busy. <laughs> it's going to be the the general managers that are going to be wildly busy the next mm. couple of days. And I hope they can catch up on their sleep soon. Yeah, well, you'll be busy too, uh, reporting on all of it. So thanks for coming on. Thank you. That's uh, Sean Mullen, WHL Unfiltered, and our headliner of the day brought to you by Mr. Rooter. There's a reason they call him Mr. For all your plumbing needs, you can go to mrrooter.ca. One of the things that he was talking about, again, you know, these kids, we forget that they're 16, 17, 18, 19-year-old, 20-year-old kids. And you you think about the fact that they, you know, they go in, in Matt Savoy or Connor Geeky's case, you're overseas in Sweden. You come back and you were playing in Wenatchee, and now you say goodbye to your billet family, mm-hmm. and you're off to the next. You're off to the next stop, and I mean you're not even unpacking from Sweden. Mm-mm. So that's tough on players. It's tough on kids. It is, and and I I don't think there's enough time spent on the mental aspect. Mm-hmm. I mean, we take it for granted. We know that you're supposed to do it, but what is it that you're supposed to do? These are these athletes mm-hmm. are young. They're they're kids, right? They but are. They're not. Yeah, and they are, and they, you know, they are, and they aren't, be, and that's the oxymoron. That's the challenge, right there. Is is what do you do? How do you set them uh, up for success? Well, a lot of them, pretty well, all of them have had to leave home at an early age. Yes, you know, they've gone to whether it be an academy or they've gone to, you know, very few players can say that they were living at home and playing all the way right through to, you know, whatever as a seventeen or an eighteen year old. Uh, player for whatever team they are playing for. Mm-hmm. for for the most part they have to move away or they have to um, relocate yes. because that's where they have to go to advance their skills to play at a higher level to make sure that they can be the player that they want to be that's the name of the game that is the name of the game yeah. uh when we come back some open time some text time with Ann munzer and kevin carries on sports 1440 stay with us all right, welcome back to the big program. Lorianne Munzer's favorite song for a Monday, or second favorite? Number one, all time. Ooh. For Mondays, definitely this one. <laughs> but I think my all-time favorite is uh, Queen's Bicycle Race. Oh, really? I want to ride my bicycle. Yes. Is that right? I would have to say yes. Freddie Mercury. Yes. So we were talking, we had uh, Sean Mullen on from WHL Unfiltered and just, uh, you know, Connor Geeky gets traded, Matt Savoy gets traded. Uh, they have the, you know, they were at the world championship. Now they're moving back to Canada, uh, not moving back. They're coming back to Canada, but they're moving from one city to the next, you know, from Wenatchee in, in United States. Now they're in Winnipeg, sorry, in uh, Moose Jaw and, and Swift Current. So when you were younger, you started a little different for you because you weren't doing things like this at that at that age of 17, 18, 19 as far as moving and traveling and going in events. Mm-hmm. But what was that experience like for you? Because you that would have been something you would have had to deal with, you know, when you were younger, I guess. Uh, moving around didn't start until I was older okay. and when I was with the national team. So it wasn't until I was 28. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18, I was riding my bike for fun. Um, didn't have the same mindset as I did later on, but it was a progression. And I think we were talking about the academies before just off the air mm-hmm. is just the academies are a great building block to help you know, figure out what is your plan? What is your route? 
But once I got onto the national team, oh my goodness, did I have to learn mm. really quick because I went from racing nationally to internationally, and that's a whole other kettle of fish. Would you have been prepared as an 18, 19, 20-year-old young woman uh, to do something like that? And how much did the seven or eight, nine years make a difference for how you had to react and handle things? Being prepared as, an, as a yeah, young athlete, like, definitely not prepared. I had no idea really what what is out there, what you need to do, what is actually done, how you prepare for it. It was just I was kind of thrown into it. And then what really changed was when you were talking earlier with Sean Brown, mm -hmm. and he was talking about belief. He had a coach. I think it was Bird, Larry, Larry, the big bird, Larry yeah, Robinson. Robinson. Mm -hmm. And it's just when you have one person, they can literally change the trajectory of your life, of where you're going. And that's part of leadership. That is part so of. So who was that for you? Oh, my goodness. Des Dickey was my first coach. He was the national track coach. He was Kurt Harnett's coach, Tanya Dubnikoff's coach. He was mine for a couple of years before I moved out here out west. Hmm. And it's just. When you have somebody behind you imparting and sharing, hey, this is what you need to do, sometimes it was non-negotiable, sometimes you would negotiate it and it wouldn't work out, and sometimes that's what you have to do is you have to figure it out yourself. And it's just what is the plan is the biggest pillar I think a lot of athletes are missing. They don't think about it. Like they just jump in, they just do, and there isn't the thinking to it. But you have to have that preparation if you want to be successful. Like look at a lot of the athletes we were talking about, Hyman. He definitely has a plan. Connor has a plan. Mm. And it's just to be able to move forward, you have to have a plan. And then you have to go out and start executing it. But it, it, it talking with Spectre, it's the little things that make the difference. You know, I have never been able to ask Zach Hyman this, but I'm I'm, I'm really looking forward to asking him, him about Red Berenson and his coach. That was his coach at Michigan. Mm -hmm. So, and again, we talked about with Speck about who was on that team in Michigan. They had a great team. Yes. So this was at a time where he's getting shaped and molded as a young player. But again, he... He play, you know, he's from Toronto. He would have played, you know, his minor hockey in Toronto. I think he moved out to, played Hamilton in in Hamilton, which is basically Toronto too, I guess. It's an hour away. Yeah. So he, he when he goes to Michigan, that's his first kind of really where I'm away from home for an extended time for four years. Mm -hmm. So that's, again, that's kind of what we were touching and talking about with these younger players having... You know, not you know having the not they're being forced. I guess you could call it that because they're being traded at such a young age, at seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, and having to adapt because that's the key. It's part of the game, though. Mm -hmm. It's not a force thing. It's part of what comes with, and and I hate to use the word with your job, so I'm going to use the word career. This is part of the career changes. You've got to be able to adapt on the fly. Yes. Some are going to do it really well. Some are going to fail miserably. And then there's going to be the in-betweens. But it's just you have to figure it out. You have to have those experiences. And it's what's inside of you that comes out that you grow. And as an athlete, those are the pivotal moments. Mm -hmm. And there's times, Kevin, oh, my gosh, there's times when it will absolutely crush you. And, and you may quit. I know I quit. I got hurt. I got injured. I ran out of money. Um, I wasn't living at home, so I didn't have that to go back to. So it was, okay, dig myself out of debt, go back and find a job. I moved cities because mm -hmm. 
I just couldn't survive. So I had to go back to the drawing board. Who was your support? Like, what was your support group? Like, what did you... Oh, my goodness. Close friends. My sister. My sister was always at the end of the telephone line. And let me tell you, we were talking phone booths. I'm not talking Uh, cell phones. This was like, my gosh, 25, 30 years ago. And it's just, you know, when you were absolutely crushed, you had nothing left to give, you you call that that landline, right? And it's just, you hope that they're going to pick up an answer. And it's just sometimes all I needed to hear and all we all need to hear is you can do this. Pick yourself up. It's going to get better. What are you going to learn from this? And what are you going to do different? And it's a familiar voice. You need to have this. It is. Text coming in, 1-833-401-1440. Rockford says, Manic Monday was written by Prince for the Bengals. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Wow. And uh, Tiger says, please ask the Munster if she ever trained with Jungle Jim. I believe that would be Jungle 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 Jim Hunter. Hunter. I've never trained with him. I have spoken to him. Uh, I've done a couple events with him, and I can tell you, you have no idea what he's going to come out with. And all I can picture is Jungle Jim was one of his training was he was on a farm, was to get inside of the rim of the tractor. Of a tractor tire. Yeah. Okay. And then the driver would drive so that because of the G-forces of what they would experience, really? that was how he trained. But then he also did another crazy thing. He got on top of a car skis strapped down and Mm -hmm. I have no idea how they were strapped down. I hope they were just drilled straight through the roof (laughs) and he would get into the tuck position and I can only guess 60, 70 miles an hour just going. And I hope it was a flat road, which I think it is. This was in Ontario? No, he's here. I think he's from Calgary. Okay. Or where, from uh, where, where, where was he doing this? In, in I think in the outskirts, obviously on a side road where Hmm. there's, you know, no, uh, you know, cops or anything that would find you and pull you over. I, I, I don't know how you would even explain this to the cops, and mm-hmm. I'm not even sure if they would believe the story, but that's what he used to do for training. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's a crazy guy. We talked about the crazy Canucks, mm-hmm. and a lot of people have lost that part of Canadian sports history or don't know about it. Like, we were talking with the Duke. He'd never heard of the crazy Canucks. A oh. little different era. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. Dude, I have to tell you a crazy Canucks story. <laughs> when I won Olympic gold, Athens, Greece, okay. I was taken into the conference, press conference room. Um, Anna Mears, who'd won uh, bronze, Tamila Abasova won silver, myself. And there's a, a flood of journalists. And over on the right-hand corner of my eye, standing by the door, is this guy, dark hair, you know, average height, not too big, not too small. And I'm looking at him going, why do I know you? Where do I know you? So after the conference, I went over and I said, where do I know you? It was Steve Podborski. Oh, really? And I'm just like, ah, uh, oh, crazy Canuck. Uh, so, Yeah. He was the latest one. He would have came in at the very end. Of course, Dylan. he had uh, Ken Reed was probably the most popular one, I yes. think. And, you know, Steve Podborski came in later. He would have been the, one of the younger ones that they, they took under the wing. Jim Hunter was probably one of the older. And then uh, yes. Dave Irwin. And I'm missing one, I think. I'll have to figure it out. But yeah. I think Dave Irwin, one of them has passed away, I think, right now. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and there was a great History. movie, great movie on and how they, how they kind of barnstormed Europe with no money, and they didn't even have a, a wax technician. They had no one, 
and they were wondering why they were losing to like Franz Klammer and all these guys out in in uh, you know in Switzerland and you know and these guys had top-notch equipment and the crazy Canucks were just getting by with with just, what they had with yeah. what they had and, and I see that this seems to be like the stories of a lot of Canadians is just it's pure guts it's love of the sport and mm. you just go in and you make it happen with whatever you have and sometimes it's not great and sometimes you do incredible magical things uh tiger says that video of jim on the truck with his skis on is on youtube so we're going to look at this right away it was in saskatchewan tiger says his dad is driving and those skis are not strapped down to the truck (laughs) that's just the famous video we're gonna have to look at that right away thanks for that uh for tiger top of the hour scott billick uh, winnipeg's son the jets are smoking hot uh scott billick will uh, check in to talk about uh, the number one team in the NHL. Before that, time now for a Sports 1440 update brought to you by Tommy Guns, home of the ultimate grooming experience. Our hot towel shaves, awesome haircuts, and treatments were designed just for you. Book now at TommyGuns.com. Here is the Duke.